uh, faith confession up for the service. Everyone, uh, we don't have our Bibles with us, but we have our cheat sheets. But if you have your uh, tablet, your regular Bible, Miss Esther, there you go with your paper Bible. That's a great thing to have. It never gets old. But whatever you use as a reference. All right. Thank you. So let's hold it up and let's make our confessions all together. This This is is my Bible. Bible. I I believe what it says. It has the power to transform my faith, my family, and my future. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Dear Father, we thank you on today, Lord, that we are gathered together in your name. We thank you, Lord, that you have created us just for the purpose. Our primary purpose here on earth is to worship and to honor you. Everything we do aside from that, Lord, is just icing on the cake. We thank you for our families, our friends, our jobs, and everything that you good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. But, Lord, we want to thank you that you honor our presence here, Lord, even as we honor you, but that you are here in the midst. Now, Lord, as we share some of the things that people have have given to us and need answers for, Lord, we thank you for their candidness, their openness, and their willingness to share. So, Father, even as we keep this anonymous, Lord, we just believe that everyone in here will be touched by these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you want your paper? Yeah. You see, he had to put my name on mine. (laughs) Y'all, come up. We got to lighten up. Lighten up. Praise the Lord. Um, Let's let's have our first slide up there, please. So when we're talking about pulling strongholds, today's title is, well, it's personal. So, you know, we've covered a lot of things. We talked about fasting and praying. Um, declaration, all types of things. But, you know, oftentimes you'll hear speakers and they'll say, well, you know, I'll answer your question in a seminar, but if you have more information, then we can talk offline. So this is one of those offline, but we're online in the air, okay? So if you hear, if we're talking about you today, don't say, oh, you're talking, that was, don't say that, okay? (laughs) <laughs> Nobody will know unless you tell them. Unless you tell them. Unless you tell them. So when you hear, when we get to your topic on today, you know, just take notes because we're going to share a lot of good things with you. And again, all of these that we're going to talk about today and then in the weeks to come, I guarantee you they're all going to tie together. They are going to tie together. So don't say, well, they're not talking about me. Trust me. We're talking about everyone, including ourselves. Amen. Um. So, the first one, um, and, and Pastor Robert, you want to tell Facebook? Um, oh, yes. We thank everyone who's um, watching via Facebook, and we're going to also extend to you the opportunity. If you use our church app, go to the Google Store, or uh, whether you have an iPhone or, or a smartphone like I do. Um, <laughs> Mine <is dumb. laughs> Uh, Android, okay. But you can go to our church app or go online, and you can actually submit a topic. Now, granted, we don't want a storyline about, you know, your uncle and your aunt and how they're not getting along, and so what do you do? 
we just want a topic, for example, marriage or uh, finances, which is one of the ones we're going to discuss. So please submit those to you. And again, we will, all of this will remain anonymous. Anonymous. Thank you. Anonymous. So the submissions that we got, we did not know who sent them. They just came to us and it tallied them up. If you did not get this book that uh, Sister Tiffany put together, um, I would encourage you to get it because some of the things like depression, um, addiction, um, some of the strongholds that we're going to be talking about today, there are actually actual prayers that you can confess um, over yourself um, and pray for yourself. Okay, so the first one that we want to talk about is depression, depression, Um, depression and depression is hopelessness. Uh, It says hopelessness comes with depression. So when when you have when you're dealing with a spirit of depression, there also comes other things that attacks you, which is a feeling of hopelessness. You feel hopeless that nothing is ever going to work out. You feel worthless. So all of those things come with depression. The other thing that depression is, it's a, it's a, it, you're concentrating more on your problem than you are concentrating on the solver of the problem. Um, and, and not only that, when, when, you, when you have a spirit of depression or when you're dealing with depression, you're remembering details that don't even really matter. So depression is hopelessness, worthlessness, a feeling of worthlessness, concentrating more on the problem, on whatever you're going through, and you're remembering the negative details, the things that have have impacted you. So let's go into, we want to talk about um, how to deal with depression. And I just want to say real quick, it's, it's a good thing that we are here on the day because even depression does not have an age limit. Amen. Amen. Yes. Because, and, and I'll say that what's happening often in, on our streets and especially in our schools is because our youth are dealing with things that we didn't deal with. Amen. So don't say, well, they're too young. They're not dealing with that. They don't know. Trust me. They're going through something as well. Right. Or could be. Right. Amen. So, so let's, I'm a, we're going to give you some tools and then we're also going to refer you back to the Bible of um, some a biblical character who dealt with depression. Y'all know that de- depression was in the Bible? How many of you knew that? We didn't either till we ended up seeing that. And we're like, wow, there were several people in the Bible that dealt with depression. So um, let's go to how do we deal with depression? First of all, we have to identify the cause of our depression. Why are, what is the cause of it? A lot of times it could be guilt, your misplaced shame, you're shameful about something that happened to you or shameful that something did to you or that someone did something to you. It can, it can even be ungodly fears, fearful, you know, and, and when we say ungodly fear, it's fear about waking up, fear about what the day is going to bring, fear about, um, um, how am I gonna? How am I gonna get through this? Um, it could be suppressed bitterness. 
Somebody could have done something to you and you never forgave them. And then came the bitterness. And so you're saying that I forgave them, but you may have forgiven them, but you're bitter about it. And how you know that you're bitter about it is that every time that that person can say something or do something to you, it kind of gets you at your core. It kind of stings you. So you know that bitterness has been suppressed. It's suppressed. It could be hatred. Hatred. I'm just going to I'm going to put this out here. And y'all know I'm transparent. I had somebody that is very dear and loves dear to me. Blood relative told somebody else that. They can't stand me. What? Yeah. Told me they couldn't stand. They didn't even want to talk to me. I'm like, what? Y'all, yes, it's real. Y'all, it's real. And so I could take that and, and feel depressed about it, but I, cho- I could feel hatred and anger, but I choose not to. Unbiblical expectations. In other words, you have expectations that are not rooted and grounded in the word of God. So you got to identify the cause. Then number two, once you identify the cause, you have to act on the truth. You got to receive the, the cause of it. Then you got to act on it. And it says knowing what God has already done for you um, and that as long as you have breath, you have purpose. As long as you are breathing, you have purpose. Doesn't matter what anyone did to you, said to you. You don't have to feel worthless. You don't have to feel insignificant. You have purpose. So you have to act on the truth that you have purpose. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I got purpose today. Can you say that to you? I got purpose. If you're dealing with depression, know that you have purpose. And then number two, it says realize that progress out of the pit is achieved step by step, bit by bit. Step by step, bit by bit. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? Dealing with and coming up out of that pit of depression, that pit of worthlessness, is a day-by-day process. It's a step-by-step process. And I can tell you that I felt worthless. I can tell you that I was depressed. I was depressed to the point that I almost tried to commit. Well, I tried to commit suicide. It, my, my first husband had left me. And I felt like that nobody wanted me. That nobody cared for me. And so I said, I'm just going to end it all. And I was working out at the base and I took a bunch of pills. Wouldn't answer the door. I was so low in that pit. That I was like, God. And then all of a sudden, it's like I, I, I tried to sleep that day. And I couldn't even go to sleep no matter how much medication I took. Somebody said, well, if you really wanted to kill yourself, you could have. No, that's not true. God had a purpose for me. God had a purpose for me back in 1988. God had a purpose for me back in 1991. I didn't know the purpose. But I was getting ready to end that purpose. Because of my own self and what I thought, I didn't think that I could do anything. Pastor Robert. Just, it's, it's never easy. And as I told you all, you know, from the age that I was about seven until the time I was in my mid-30s, I dealt with depression and suicidal spirit. 
you know, and that was just like people's like, think of your happy place, you know, oh, I can't wait till, you know, July or next year, man, we're going on a cruise. I can't wait till such and such a day. They're going to pin my new rank on me. And my happy place was, how am I going to kill myself today? That's all I, that was my happy place. And it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to drive my car off. No, 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 no. I'm going to take this extension cord and no, 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 no. Do I want to make a statement or, well, man, then nobody gets my life insurance. And that's what I dealt with. I mean, honestly. Because, like, do I want to make it look like an accident or do I want to make a statement? And I dealt with that from the age of about seven till I was in my mid-30s. And all it took was a bounce check, being late for work, you know, accidentally running a stoplight. All it took was a small trigger. But I knew that even though I would pick up the word of God and I would read it, I knew in the back of my mind the Holy Spirit was saying, don't do it because I have something for you. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing. It wasn't anybody. I mean, people would talk to me, but I would never share with them. But I just hung on. Praise God. The character in the Bible that dealt with depression was Moses. Moses dealt with depression. And let's, let's go to, um, I didn't give it to him. I think it is in Exodus. It is an exodus. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll come back, we'll come to, back that. to that one. It's an exodus. Look up Moses. It was when the people were complaining. And God came. Uh, uh, Moses was complaining and saying, God, these people, uh, you know, I'm feeling pressure. I'm feeling, God, all of these people. I, gotta, I, I don't know what in the world. There you go. Uh, is that the one, Pastor? No, that's not the one. Uh, thank you, though. Um, he was, it, it was saying that... Uh, he was, he was talking to God and saying, God, I got all of these problems. I, I got the people before me. I, I need to know how to lead these people. I need to know what to do. And, and he was just pouring out his heart unto God and, and telling God all about his stress and huh? all about his frustration. He was depressed because he did not know he was feeling worthless. I can't even talk. I can't even, I, I, I cannot not even speak. I'm not even a good person to lead these people. Um, and so he went before God and God came back to him. And, um, and God said, well, wait a minute. Said, bring, bring the elders. Bring them with you. And, and what I want you to do, I want to lift that load. I want you to give some of the load that you're carrying. I want you to give it to some of the elders. You don't need to carry all of this. Give them these responsibilities. And I'm going to sh- I want you to share that with them. And when, when I read that and when we looked at that, that's how God is. The Bible says that... Um, he does not intend for us to carry our burdens around, depression, what we're feeling, the weightedness. Depression has a weight. And he does not want us to carry those things around, the feeling of worthlessness. So in other words, he's saying, bring it to me. I am the elder. I am your father. And I will deal with what you're dealing I will take what you're dealing with and carry it and help you to deal with it. You don't have to feel worthless. Bring it all to me. Bring what you're dealing with to me. So if you're feeling depressed on this morning, you have to understand that you have to identify why you're feeling depressed. Why are you feeling depressed? 
You have to identify the cause, act on the truth. What does the word really say about you? What does the word really say about your situation? And then realize that it's it's a step-by-step process. Step-by-step process. Y'all with us on this this morning? Praise God. Y'all receiving anything so far? Okay. The next one that we received was anxiety, anxiousness. Anybody ever experienced anxiousness? Anxiety. Just feeling anxious. And anxiety is a feeling of worry. Nervousness or uneasiness. You're uneasy and feeling um, uncertain. You're agitated. You're feeling dread or fear towards something. And it is a reaction to a stressful circumstance. Anybody ever been through some stressful circumstances? (laughs) No. (laughs) Pastor Robert had to look at me. Because I had a stressful circumstance this morning. Just, I mean, I'm serious. It, anxiety, the stronghold of anxiety can, can or, or anxiety can creep up on you. And remember what I said about a stronghold. It is a culture. It is a, is a thought pattern that gets a hold of you and you accept it. So in other words, you're, you're worrying about what the day will bring before you even enter into that day. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Or you, you get that phone call, like I got a text this morning, and I heard my phone go off, and automatically I told Pastor Robert, I said I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling a, a, a sense of anxiety, and I don't like it. You know, agitated. And then when, when, and see, when you look at anxiety, look at all of those other things that attaches itself to anxiety, nervousness, agitated, dread, fear, uneasiness, nervousness. I, uh, I went to go get Pastor Robin and them some, some, uh, breakfast yesterday morning and I was trying to get my order straight at this particular establishment. And I could tell that the man was experiencing anxiety because his hands started shaking when I started switching up the order. And I knew that he was feeling anxious. And so I started trying to put him at ease and saying, are you, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. You're doing a great job. It's wonderful. Thank you. I'm so sorry for, for, you know, changing my order up the way that I did. Because I saw that he was becoming agitated and anxious. So I had to try to diffuse that anxiety within him. But within ourselves, how we deal with anxiety is, first of all, we we must confess that it is not God's will for us to be anxious. It's not God's will for us to be anxious. And so we won't be pointing anybody out. Point to yourself and say it's not God's will. It's not God's will for me to be anxious. For me to be anxious. So in dealing with anxiety, you must understand and confess to yourself, God it's not your will for me to be anxious about this. It's not your will to be anxious about what's going to happen the next day or the next hour or how am I going to do this? Number two, we must recognize that worrying is useless. 
Worrying is useless. It's useless to worry. Let's look at a scripture of what it says about worrying is useless in Matthew 6.27. Matthew 6.27 says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all of what you're worried about, what you're concerned about, can it add a moment to your life? No, it can't. So we're sitting around here worrying and being overly concerned and fearful and dreadful and feeling all of that, but it can't do nothing. It can't add a day, can't add a single second, nothing. Can't add nothing to it. So why even worry about it? Give it to God. Let's look at Luke 12, 26 and 28. And it says, if worrying can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying about bigger things? The little things we worry about. And then when big things come, we worry about it too. And if it's not going, and it says, look at how, at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. In other words, God takes care of the lilies. He causes them to grow. So whatever you're concerned about, God is able to take care of it and deal with it. God's able to deal with it. Don't worry about it. Hallelujah. Are you trying to ask a question? The scripture tells us because, you know, we want to, we have to remember first and foremost that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that whoever is coming against you, whoever is saying something to you, whoever is cutting you off in traffic, whoever is saying something to you first thing in the morning, you haven't even clocked in at work. It's a spirit. It is a spirit, and you don't look at somebody. I don't look at this person and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you, shut up right now. It's like, no. <laughs> You're making me anxious. <laughs> yes. You don't, you don't go against the, the person. You understand that the greater one is in you. So I, the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm not saying always, but the first thing that comes to my mind is submit myself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and then he'll flee. Submit myself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee. They will tell a person, anytime that you are kidnapped or taken against your will, your greatest opportunity, your best time to escape is when you're first captured. Don't let them grab you, tie you up, take you away to someplace you don't know. Then you happen to get a hold of a cell phone, and you're like, well, where are you? Where are you? I have no idea. And grab my arm real quick. Just grab it. See? As soon as she grabs me, I need to break away then. Wherein if she grabs me... I got to grab you with my good arm. I'm sorry about that. But if she grabs me and I'm like, let me go, let me go, she, in, she automatically is going to grab me tighter and tighter. And I'm like, let me go, let me go. And I'm giving her strength. 
So when the enemy comes against you, first and foremost is submit yourself to God. Amen. Because if we don't, we will begin to fight out of our flesh. Mm-hmm. We will fight out of our flesh. So that, I mean, and the thing is, is, is submitting to God doesn't mean the enemy comes against you. It's like, okay, well, let me get my, my Bible. Let me get my Bible out and find my, 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 what if somebody comes at me like that app? <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, I'm getting ready to fast, right? Wait a minute, that's the wrong app. The night before we need to submit ourselves to God. We need to submit our God to God, you know, continuously, continuously, continuously. One of the greatest mistakes, and I believe in modern history was, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. August 2nd, he invaded Kuwait. But he waited all of that time for all of the world, including the United States, to build up their forces. I mean, bringing tanks and planes and all this stuff from all over the world to fight him. And he just sat back. And all he did was bury his tanks in the ground. But by the time it was time to go to war, he had nothing. He should, have, he should have attacked and he should have kept going if he was going to win that battle. And when the enemy comes against us, we have to look back and say, well, was I, was I ready for war? No, I wasn't. And so that's why we're often defeated. Does that? Okay. Also write down this scripture, Ephesians 6 and 13. We don't have it in our notes, but when he was talking. <laughs> um, Ephesians 6 and 13, it says to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. So we got to go out dressed. Just because you get up in the morning and you may deal with that feeling of anxiety, you have to keep your armor on. You cannot take a piece of your armor off. It says to, to, to take up and to put on your armor so with, that when the day of evil comes, when, when those things come to you, when those thoughts of anxiousness or whatever it may be, you have to, you have to be able to have that armor on so, so that you will be able to stand. And then after having done all that you've done, you put on your armor, you're speaking the word of God. The sword of the spirit is what? The word of God. When you speak the word, you got to continuously speak it. When you feel, when you think those thoughts and like you were talking about, you, you know, it, ke- it keeps coming and it intensifies. And that, what that means is, and Pastor Robert rolled right into the next way on how to deal with um, anxiety and how to deal with anxiety, deal with anxiety, you have to confess that it's not God's will for you to be um, uh, anxious. Let God know. Let, it's, the word says that I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication or by prayer and pleading unto God. Make your request made known unto God. God, I'm anxious about this. And so when you're quoting those things, you're taking a stand against the enemy and saying, you're not going to put this on me today. You're not going to continue. You're not going to keep badgering me. If you got to go and get a bottle of oil and sling it all over your head, do it. I'm going to tell you, I do it in the morning. I'm not joking, y'all. I know I do it sometimes because I need for those thoughts and those things to, to loose my, their hold from me. Because even in your sleep, the enemy is working. 
And I find myself now, and I told y'all this last week, I find myself when I feel those thoughts and the enemy trying to attack me in my sleep, I wake up and I'll put some scriptures on because I'm like, no, 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 not today. Nope. I'm taking a stand. I'm letting the word go forth. The word can fight better than what your words can. The word of God can. Recognize that worrying is useless and then growing, uh, cultivate a growing understanding of God's power. And you understand God's power by confessing his word and knowing what his word says. So if you're anxious about something, look it up, Google it and say, what does the Bible say about X, Y, and Z? And it will, it will give you scriptures to be able to quote, to be able to deal with that particular situation that you're dealing with. The other thing is, is entrust to God the things that we can't control. You can't control it. Some of us have a controlling spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Entrust it to God. You cannot control everything. A lot, of your, a lot of our anxiety comes because we want to be in control. Release the control. And you'll find out that, look, it's like, you know, funny, case in point, Pastor Robert, chime in any time. Case in point, I was riding with my sister the other day. And, and I don't have no control of what somebody in the car in front of me is doing. Do y'all have control over them? You don't. So I'm behind this person, and it happened to me all day long, but the Lord must have been trying to speak to me because my sister, we were riding, going here and there, and every person, oh. <laughs> anyway. I'm just getting comfortable, that's all. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> Go ahead. So in other words, they wouldn't move. And every stoplight I went to, it seemed like the people were just stuck at the light. The light was green. Y'all ever been there? So immediately my head is like, they on the phone. They're distracted driving. I don't know what they're doing in their car. And so every time I turn around and my sister caught me, I was like, boo-boo. <laughs> Go. The light is green. And this happened all day long towards the end of the end of the day. My sister said, she said, wow, she said, y'all around. She said, you don't even give them a chance to even get moving, put their foot, take their foot off the brake and put it on the gas. I was trying to control what the person in front of me was doing. But what it was in turn creating for me was anxiety. That when I got home, I was like, I can't drive. I don't want to drive no more. I'm sick of these Virginia drivers. I created my own anxiety. Y'all ever been there? Mm-hmm. All too often, <laughs> all too often in situations we face, and that's just one of many, is we have to ask God, what are you trying to show me? You know, because it's like, you know, this, this job is so bad. I need to leave. I need to leave. And, and granted, there are times when it, we do need to move on. But why are we leaving that job? Mm-hmm. Because if we don't deal with situations where we are, it's like you're going to move to another job and you're going to end up having the same problems. That's right. You're going to have the same problem. I mean, I understand. It's like, yeah, it's time to me. I've been here long enough. They don't pay enough. I've capped out. Yeah, move on. But leave on a good note. 
But if you, I mean, if you're thinking because you're not in control, you're going to be in control when you go to your next job, guess what? That demon is going to be waiting for you. He's going to be the one that hires you. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking over your resume here. <laughs> okay, um, scripture is <laughs> First Peter 5 and 7. Write this scripture down, First Peter 5 and 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Understand that God cares for you. Give him everything that you're concerned about. I don't, I don't care how insignificant it seems. Give it to him. And the King James Version says, cast your cares yes. on the Lord. Now, imagine, let's just use it in the sense of how it sounds. How many of you have ever been fishing before? You know what it's like, or you watch somebody fish <laughs> while you're eating your... Okay, but when it says cast, okay, this is my care, and I'm going to cast it on the Lord. Hey, look, did you get that, Jesus? <laughs> ah. He said, cast your cares on the Lord. All right, Jesus, here's my problem. You got, you got it, Jesus? It's like, no. You, gotta, you have to take your problem and you have to cast it. You have to throw it. You have to sling it and make sure that Jesus gets it. Don't just like, okay, release it and let it go and maybe it'll get there. Because you can let it go and the wind can be blowing in your face and there goes your problem. And the devil will blow the wind right back on you. Mm-hmm. So you have to take yeah, your, your cares and you have to cast them. Mm-hmm. You have to cast them just like you're casting the fishing rod. Uh, it, 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 thank you, Pastor Robert, for that. Um, I used to fish every weekend, every opportunity I got. And y'all ever seen those nets that got the weights around them? The, the casting net. And so what they do is they got weights around it so that they can throw it. And then when it, when they, when it throws and it's got a little whatever at the end, the, the weights will fall down and be able to capture whatever the minnow or whatever they're trying to catch bait. I look at when Pastor Robert said to cast, cast your cares. Those cares around that net, that casting net, represents your cares those weights and so when you cast it you are king got my little great nephew praise god um but when you when you cast that net it's a net and those weights around it represent your cares and so when, they, when a person, when a fisherman casts that net in the water, and you, Richard can, can uh, correct me, it sinks. So God is saying, cast it. Because when, when you cast it on me, it's going to be absorbed in me. It's going to be absorbed in my love. It's going to be absorbed in my care for you. It's going to be absorbed in all of me. Cast it on me. Don't try to keep it. So, um, um. And then the final one is substitute prayer for worry. Substitute Mm. prayer for worry. And it's so easy. I mean, all of us do it. It's so easy to worry about things. It is so easy. But when we think about worrying about it, I mean, if, if all you know is Jesus' help, if that's all you know, 
then you need to pray that prayer. But substitute one for the other. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about Mm. what? Everything. Everything. Pray about everything. Now, will the blue socks look better? Should I wear blue socks if I'm wearing blue shoes? Or should I wear brown socks because I'm wearing brown pants? I mean, where do you, how do you draw the line between the transition between the shoes and the pants? I don't think Jesus cares. <laughs> Just put on some socks and come to church. Put on some socks and go to work. But there are some things that we definitely need to be praying about. Honestly, there are some things that we have to be praying about. And I mean, really, even to the point of how much, what time do I need to go to bed? I mean, seriously, how many of us find ourselves staying up because we feel like we're going to miss something? (laughs) We feel like we're going to miss something. We need to go back to the old days, you know, when at 10 o'clock the American flag came up and you sang the national anthem and you carried your hips to bed. Because after that, all you got was till six o'clock the next morning. Some of the young people don't know about that, Pastor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. T- TV didn't used to always be on. <laughs> and he's right. But anyway, tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Yes. Remember, remember, I said all this is going to tie together. Thank Him for what He's already done. Yes. So when we get anxious about things, when we get depressed about ah, things. Glory. Think about what God has already done. Think about, well, Lord, that's right. You did get me all the way through that last situation. So why wouldn't you do it again? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm trying to answer that same question myself. <laughs> that's what I've been trying to tell you all along. Just like I brought you through the last time, I'm ready to bring you through this time. So stop worrying. Mm-hmm. What do you want? Like we tell children, stop crying. Tell me what you want. Mm-hmm. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Stop crying and tell me what you want. <laughs> like we used to say, I'm telling you. <laughs> Go tell your mama. <laughs> and God's saying, stop crying and tell me what you want. Okay, y'all, quit playing. <laughs> And the Bible does say laughter does the heart merry like a medicine. I heard of a story long time ago, back in the 80s. This man was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And back when you used to have a VCR, y'all remember them, the VCR? I got rid of one this week, (laughs) y'all. You used to take that VCR and you used to record them shows. (laughs) But this man went and had, he had a VCR and he went to Blockbuster. Some of y'all remember Blockbuster? And he got all of these old Laurel and Hardy and Three Stooges tapes, and he laughed himself back to hell. Mm. He laughed himself. He didn't, I'm not saying the man didn't use scriptures, but I don't know. But he literally laughed himself back to hell. That's not of God. Yes, the Bible says, laughter does a heart merry like yes. a medicine. Learn to laugh. I laugh at Pastor Win. I mean, learn to laugh. He does. All the time. <laughs> okay, give a definition. Next one. But uh, going back to laughter, I'm, the thing is, sometimes we can be so 
uh, staunch. So staunch. And, and I can be that way. I can, I can really be just like tunnel vision, like, you know, get the job done. Let's, you know, let's move. So focused um, and so serious. But see, we need people in our life that balances us out like Pastor Robert. Pastor Robert balances me out because he's always laughing and joking and making fun of me to where it's like what he's letting me know is sometimes I get, I'm like, ah, you know. But I understand that he's trying to make, lighten the load up, but, you know, trying to get me to laugh and to enjoy life. Some of us don't enjoy life. And we need to learn how to enjoy life. Like he was saying, that ain't godly. Bowling ain't godly. Yes, it is. I mean, we need to learn how to do things and have fun. The world is doing it. The people in the world are having fun. So because we have decided to, to step over into the, the, the uh, 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 church room and give our life to God does not mean that he does not intend for us to have fun and laugh. Go see a movie sometimes and laugh. I'll I never forget it. When I first got saved, oh, watching a movie, if I, went to go, if I went to the movie theater, I was going to hell. Y'all looking at me, don't judge me. Yeah. But that was, remember I said the culture? That was the culture that I was brought up in when I first got saved. Wearing earrings, I was going to hell. Wearing makeup, I was going to hell. I wasn't learning to live life. So we have to learn to live. Live in a godly way. Don't go out there and y'all know what I'm talking about. But live, have fun, laugh. That's why we're doing this today, we're, we're making it light. We're, we're trying to, to give you tools on how to deal with what you're dealing with, okay? So, the next one is low self-esteem. And we're not going to Okay. Y'all want to stop or y'all want to keep going? Keep going? Are y'all in agreement? Okay, all right. <laughs> but we, we're, we, we don't want to drag it out. Um, okay. Point number three, low self-esteem. It's a lack of confidence in feeling badly about yourself. It's a feeling of unlovable. You're not loved. You don't feel like nobody loves you. Awkward or incompetent. Um, I had low self-esteem because my mother... And she didn't mean anything, but she did not know how the words impacted me. She, would, she, she planted that seed of, we didn't mean to have you. Somebody like, ooh, yeah. She said, you were, you were a mistake. But, but, but the thing is, that was, how she, that was how she described, come on, y'all. Y'all know, y'all go out there and do things, and then all of a sudden, oops. You, you, you get a baby. <laughs> we got it. You got it. So I was a oops. I was a oops. But in my mind, I grew up thinking I was a mistake. So everything that, all that I thought about and I did, I'm a mistake. She didn't want me anyway. Even a little bit of things that she did that I saw, I saw her showing, you know, favoritism to my sister and my brother 
all I thought was, I'm a mistake. She don't love me. And so that developed low self-esteem in me. And so what happened in that low self-esteem, my decisions were made out of me feeling like I'm nobody. Starting to gather and get, you know, I was never promiscuous or, you know, dealt with a lot of men, but I would get relationships. I would get into relationships that that would would uh, that was because of I didn't feel like I was anybody. And so when they started treating me badly, I felt I wouldn't walk away. I wouldn't say, hold up. No, 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 no. You're not putting your trash over in my yard. You're not going to talk to me that way because I had low self-esteem. I didn't feel good about myself. So um, that's what low self-esteem is. So how do we deal with low self-esteem? First of all, we have to discover the root of why we have low self-esteem. There is a root. Maybe it's because you were molested when you were younger. Maybe it's because you were abused when you were younger. I had a stepfather that abused me and broke my hip. And all of that was compiled into when I heard my mom say that you're a mistake. So I thought that she allowed my stepfather to beat me because she didn't care about me. Y'all see how it compounds one on top of the other? So we have to discover what is the root of why I'm, not, why I'm feeling worthless, why I don't believe in myself, why I have low self-esteem. Um, remember when we talked about depression? And when you get up and you feel like I don't have a purpose in life? And see, this is how I say how they all can tie in one to another. So if you're dealing with low self-esteem, you can also have depression. Because it's like, you know, Billy Joe Bob, who ain't got a job, wants to be the man in your life. And you're like, well, this is the best it gets. It don't, you know, he loved me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He loves me. Yes. It's like, but he got no ambition. When you met him, he was standing at the bus stop. You Mm -hmm. know? And he lives in his mama's basement, you know, and I'm not putting anybody down, but it's like if you really want in life, I mean, do you want door number one or door number two or door number three? You have to decide which which door God wants to open for you. And I'm and trust me, I was sharing with someone yesterday. I never, ever, ever put anybody down because of what they do with their life. I don't know why God blessed me to join the military and retire from there, work for Dominion, retire from there, and then I'm working on the third retirement. I have no answers. And therefore, I can't, I can't say, well, I went to college and I, I got straight A's and I got my PhD and I did something with my life and you need... No, I'm not like that. I'm still scratching my head. So what you do with your life is one thing, but if you want the very best from God, then you have to be careful about how you look at yourself And how others look at you as well. And at the end of the day, it's not what they think about you. It's what you think about you. And what God says about you. Don't ever settle for second best. And in order to know what God says about you, you got to get in that word. And speak that word over yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I'm the head and not the tail. You have to find out what the word says. Get those scriptures that are encouraging. You know, be ye lifted up. You know, lift up your head. Be encouraged. 
You got to speak the word to yourself. Find out what the word says and how God sees you. But you only find that through the word of God. You're saying, well, I don't know where to look. Google. Internet is a wonderful thing. Amen. You know, internet is a wonderful thing. And it's like you find the scriptures. There's all sorts of apps, as Pastor Robert, that you can actually do through version. You can do a whole version uh, 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 devotional on low self-esteem, dealing with low self-esteem. You know, and so you have to speak the word of God over yourself. And then the other thing that you have to do, and, and it's, it's difficult during this age and time, is that you have to stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You don't know what they went through to get to where they are. You don't even, they're putting their show face on. They're putting their game face on. Those pictures that they put out on Facebook and on social media face are, are photoshopped. They got an app for that to clean your skin up. They got an app for that that can pinch this in there. Don't compare your, and I'm telling you, I got it on my iPad. When I do photo editing and, and, and graphics and stuff, I got an app that I can make myself look just as, like I can make myself look like a size four. And so, and waking up a size that I really am. But I'm all around here trying to compare myself. And so, therefore, I don't look like them. You know, ever with my sister, beautiful, glamorous. I mean, she's a flight attendant and all that. The bomb. Sister Pamela was like, Pamela, Sister Pamela saw her twos or whatever day it was and said, wow, you got some good smoky eyes. So I'm up in the mirror this morning trying to get my, trying to get my makeup like she had. I'm like, forget this. I ain't Sabrina. I'm not my sister. I am who God says I am. I ain't going to have no smoky eyes this morning. Y'all deal with my eyes the way that they are. And I look beautiful. But you got to talk to yourself that way. You cannot compare yourself to other people. You cannot even compare yourself to other people in a spiritual realm. And we do that a lot of times in church. We try to compare. I can't pray like them. I can't do like this. Okay, pray, pray how God told you to pray. Be who God told you to be the best that you can be. And let God add to it. So we cannot compare ourselves to other people. Let's look at Jeremiah 6, uh, Jeremiah 1 and 6. I'm sorry, Pastor. Let's, let's jump to Exodus chapter okay. 4. We'll go ahead and write this down. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. And, and Jeremiah's like, who, who am I to speak? I'm too yes. young. And God's like, no, you're not too young. Mm-hmm. But let's look at Exodus chapter 4. And, and Moses is... is accepting his call or he's he's denying he doesn't want to receive his call and he says beginning at verse 9 and if they don't believe or listen to you even after these two signs this is God speaking then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out into the ground when you do the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground but Moses pleaded with the Lord oh Lord I am not very good with words And that's why when we do Bible study, we make other people. We don't make them, but we encourage other people. It's your turn to teach. There you go. Because that's how you learn. Because you'll be amazed that when you get on your job and it's like, hey, can I have your attention? 
and you say something to him, it's like, man, how'd you learn how to speak like that? In Bible study. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord said, Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Scratching my head. Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do, or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Wow. Now, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. Now go. Huh? Now go. Now go. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. And I'm telling you, ah. God is speaking to us. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm the one that made you. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one that's given you the ability to speak. And if I'm telling you, don't you think I've already told your boss? Mm. Yes. Don't you think I've already told your boss that you're going to be coming in there asking for something? A promotion or an idea? I've already placed it on his heart. But I'm waiting for you to, make, to connect the dots. But we're like, no, Lord, I can't do it. And even though, and trust me, there will be times when you'll go in your boss's office (laughs) and you're like, Lord, I'm going to go in there just like you told me to. And the boss goes, yeah, but not now. And you're like, Lord, I did what you told me to do. He's like, yeah, I had to see if you would do. I had to see if you would be obedient. Now watch me open the door. Yes. Because I'm telling you, I applied for a job. And I was like, man, I got this job. Man called me back like a couple of days later, and I returned his call. He was like, just want to let you know we went with someone else. And you're talking about I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry. And I'm like, Lord, but I did this, and I did this, and I did that. Two days later, I got a text message. And they said, do you want this job? And I text him back and said, yes. And they said, well, we'll... I'll, t- I'll get all the information together and text you back. How about when they called me back? All they said was, when can you go take a drug test? Wait a minute. Ain't I supposed to get an interview first? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to interview for the job. All I had to do was go take a drug test, which I knew. Ain't no poppy seeds or nothing else in my... <laughs> I mean, because y'all know certain things you eat will show up negative. On I'm like, ain't going to find nothing, so I'm good. And they were so glad to see me. But again, when God calls you, God's going to equip you. And it's our responsibility to go. We have to go when God says go. Let's look at uh, financial burdens. That was another one that we got. Dealing with financial burdens, the stronghold of financial burdens. In dealing with financial burdens, we have to know uh, that God wants us to live without financial stress. He does not intend for you to have financial stress. Deal with it and say, you know what, God, you tell the enemy and you talk to your finances and said, it's not intended for me to be financially stressed and strapped. Talk that to yourself. Okay. The next, uh, it says, change what you believe about money. A lot of times our belief system about money is money, oh, money will just answer this. And if I just have enough money to do this, that's not necessarily true. 
some of the richest people in the world are still struggling financially. Have all the money in this world and still struggling. Don't know what's going on. And then not only that, they have all the money in the world and you turn around and at the end of everything that they've gone through, they end up with nothing. So we have to change the way we think about money. Money is good, yes, but we cannot fall in love with money. And we fall in love with money when we're pursuing it. I got to do this. We're putting it above God. We're putting the things that we do to get money above God and before God. We're not putting him first. So that's changing our belief system. And the next thing is, it says, know what the Bible says about money so that we can know whether or not our current financial habits habits line up with biblical principles. Y'all understand? Listen to this. What does the Bible say about money? How I should spend my money? Being a good steward over what he gave me. What does the Bible say about this purchase that I'm getting ready to do? What does the Bible say about what I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to loan somebody some money? What does the, how, what is the Bible saying? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me concerning this transaction right here? Because some of our habits don't line up with the principles that's in the Bible. Y'all, y'all following me on that? We have habits that we have developed because, you know, got to have what the Joneses have, got to be like this one over here, got to have us some red bottom shoes, got to have us this and that. Why? That's not a healthy habit to desire and covet what someone else. And so we covet what someone else has so much so that we put ourselves in a financial struggle trying to do it. Trying to get it. Overspending. No, we went in there. And y- how many of y'all know y'all go in these stores and they put stuff on the end cap to get your attention? But how many of y'all have ever grabbed off the end cap? See, y'all, I'm the only one. I do sometimes. They do it to get your attention. And somebody was saying... Uh, Yes, I was talking about tax-free weekend, but they were saying even during tax-free weekend, you may get tax-free, but they up the prices during tax-free weekend. But you're thinking you're getting a sale. A habit. What habits do you have that's causing you to stay in a financial struggle? Then the next, it says, ask God to show you or show us And help us with those behaviors and habits that may be causing our financial trouble. Once God reveals it to you, you got to be willing to deal with it. You got to be willing for God to show it to you and don't don't feel a sense of entitlement where I deserve this. A lot of times we're in financial struggles because we feel like we deserve a certain thing. We deserve a certain thing. Okay. And we're going to end on this one. I want to talk about two different people in the Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse... The parable is 1 through 16, but I'm only going to talk from verses, I think it's 10 through 15. Now, this man goes from from his field into the marketplace, and he's looking for servants to work in the field. 
And he promises to pay them a denarius or one penny to everybody who works the whole shift. Then the time comes to settle up. And when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more. But they, too, were paid a day's wages. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only an hour. And yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to... I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. It is, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? What we have to remember is we agree to the wages we receive. So we can't live based upon wages we think we deserve. You know, you want to go to Value City Furniture and buy new living room furniture. But knowing that you, you're like, well, uh, how much can you put down? Well, you know, I'm worth a lot of money. You know, there's so much knowledge swirling around in my head. I could buy this whole store. All right, but what's in your bank account? <laughs> let's, let's look at your credit score. So, and, and we do this all too often is we complain about what our bosses or our supervisor or our companies are not giving us, but we agree to it. You knew before you said, I'll work for you, you knew exactly how much you were going to make, or approximately. But yet, okay, well, and and I I still don't understand how waitress servers only make X amount of dollars and they have to live off of tips. That one, right to this day, it just baffles me. It just absolutely baffles me in this great country we live in. But you know just about how much you're you're going to make. So don't complain about what you're not getting and thinking, well, but I deserve this. So we go get in debt. And then the last one, Luke chapter 15, very, very familiar to many of us, is a parable about the prodigal son. And Jesus said, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, the youngest. Now, we're talking a biblical principle here. Here, he says, I want my share of your estate before you die. I want my share of your estate before you die. And you're the youngest of two sons. So his father agreed and divided the wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Now, first of all, and again, this is a parable. First of all, how does somebody come to you and say, I want everything that's owed to me, and you're the youngest. Not the oldest. You're the youngest. And I want it before you die. (laughs) I mean, that's bold. But how often do we get our income tax checks, our bonuses, the overtime, or every little little piece of money we get, and we waste it on wild living. I've always wanted a pair of shoes like this. I always wanted to go to this restaurant. 
I always want, I always want. I worked hard all my life. I deserve this. Says who? Because why? We're comparing ourselves to other people. We don't know what other people have to go through to do what they do. We don't know what it's like in their house when they close the door and the lights are off. You don't know. They might be living from paycheck to paycheck. But these financial burdens, trust me, we bring them on ourselves. We bring them on ourselves. And yes, there are times when people are hit by identity theft or sickness or some other natural disaster that they could not avoid. But for most of us, it's because we're not being good stewards over what God gave us. Amen? And we dealt with that biblically. Um, There is a natural side to that as well. If you have found yourself in a financial struggle, first of all, you got to deal with uh, trans, being transparent, saying, look, I got this going on, and lay it out. Lay it all out. I'm dealing with this. I don't have enough to make ends meet. And I'm living from paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes that ain't even enough. And what you have to do is, and there are apps all over the place, track your spending. Track it. Track how you're spending your money. And I, I noticed with the, with the younger generation, they don't even know how to write a check. They don't even know how to balance a checkbook. Don't even know what di- all of that is a check register is. Because it's on their phone. It's all on their phone. It's all electronically. Find an app that, that tracks. Every time you spend something, you put it in there. And then there's some some very practical things. Sit down with somebody and say, look, this is what I got. And this is what I this is where I need to go. Set some goals for yourself. But sit down with someone that can help you. Help you to manage your money. Help you to do what you've been dealing with it long enough. And Pastor Robin and I've been there before. We have been down to the lowest of low. I had a car repossessed. I was telling somebody the other day, I came home, and, and I wasn't married at the time, but I came home, and as soon as I got home, the repo man had unjacked my car up and said, you can get your stuff out, but we're taking your car. Because I got caught up in the payday loan places and stuff like that. And the one thing that, I could say that I honestly, I brought that on myself because I stopped giving to God. I really did. I said, I ain't got enough to tithe. I ain't got enough to do this. And I'm not talking about money. But I'm saying put God first in all that you do. And be very practical about things. Write all your bills out. And if, if you need help in that area, come talk to Pastor Robert and I. We will be more than happy. We have resources that we can we can, we can give it to you. Praise the Lord. And I'll tell you this. If you come to me about your money, I charge $100 an hour. So I'm telling you this. And this is my transparent moment. The church for too long has taught, if you have a problem, you come to the altar, we'll pray for you. Mm. But guess what? If you don't know how you got in your situation... 
after we pray for you, you're going to go back. Amen. Eventually, you will go back. And I believe it's First Peter says that, you know, the sow returns to the pen and the dog to his own vomit. We go back. We go back because we haven't been taught. Mm -hmm. So people are having psycholo or psychological issues and social issues, depression. We want to pray for you. But there comes a point when you need professional help. Amen. That, that Pastor Wendy or I are not licensed and we are not able to help you. There are certain things we can give you guidance on and instruction. But for the long haul, you need to seek a professional. And that's where the church has done its partners a dis, an injustice for decades. So I jokingly say, I'm going to charge you $100 an hour because guess what? You know, I need to go to talk to somebody about some of the decisions that I've made. Like my 401k. I don't know what to do with that. I got somebody that I paid to help me manage my money. And trust me, it costs me, but guess what? In the long run, it'll pay me. It's going to pay off. So if you want my advice, I we charge $100 an hour. <laughs> so. No, he doesn't. Oh, I do. <laughs> Start my business today. <laughs> so anyway, having said We don't want that, anybody to leave here. Well, I can't even go to the church and, and talk to Pastor Rob. Yes, you can. Facebook, you can come. Praise the Lord. But we um, but the thing is, is even individually, know your limitations. Let's stand to our feet. We can't, we can't solve everybody's problems. The best thing sometimes you can say is, I don't know, but I will help you mm -hmm. to get help. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, we we want to thank all of you that were so patient on Facebook today. Um, we just felt that this was a very important time to share with you, as share with our partners. And wherever you are, understand that the situation that you see yourself in right now, even as David said, yay, I'm walking through this valley. And, it's, and it seems like a death shadow is over me. But... I know, God, you're with me always. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. But even though you're in that place, understand God knows exactly where you are. Keep the lines of communication open with mm -hmm. God and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And don't ever let the enemy tell you you're the only one that's ever gone through this. And don't tell anybody because they're going to shame you. No, connect yourself with someone you know you can trust and confess your faults one to another that you can be healed. Yes. And God wants to see you healed and whole. We want to pray a prayer with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come touching and agreeing with those who are not with us here physically, but your spirit is with them right at the very place of need. And this message was relevant for so many people on today, we thank you, Lord, that they are able to touch you and be touched through these means that you created social media for this purpose. Not for what we've made it, but so that the lost can be reached. Yes. We thank you for their deliverance and we command the hand of the enemy to be taken off of their lives in Jesus name. Jesus name. 
Amen. Amen. Now, if you're here up under the sound of our voice, just lift your hands right now. Whatever it is that you are dealing with, some of you may have been dealing with it for years. Some of you may have been dealing with it for a lifetime. Just for a couple of years or, or you're like, we spoke about some things that help you to identify some of the feelings that you have been feeling. We want you to just lift your hands right now. And whatever it is, say, Lord, I give it to you. Whether it's low self-esteem, whether it's feeling financial burdens, whether it's feeling anxious and fearful and dread, know that God cares about you. Speak that to yourself. Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, God. I give myself to you, Lord. I give my situations to you, Lord. I give you everything about me, God. Me worrying about it ain't going to change it, God. It ain't going to do nothing about it. It's breaking me down physically and mentally, oh God. Trying to carry this around. So I'm casting all of my cares on you today, God. Everything. I will not let this hold me captive any longer. I will not let it hold my thoughts captive any longer. I will not let it hold my destiny that you have for me any longer, God. But I shall fulfill the purpose that you have called me forth to be and to do, God. You've given me a purpose, oh God. And I speak it over my life. I don't know what it is, God. But I know, God, that it's more than where I'm at right now. I know, God, that you got more for me. I know, God, hallelujah. There, there's more than my eyes can see, God. You've got more for me, Lord. And so I serve notice on you. Satan, that you will no longer hold the people of God captive in their minds. You will no longer hold them captive, tormenting them, badgering them. I come against you now in the name of Jesus, and I command for you to loose your hold from over their mind, loose your hold from over their emotions, over their feelings, and everything about them. Loose your hold from over their finances. Loose your hold. Not pleading with you. But we're commanding for you. Because God you said that you have placed the authority in us. And we are kingdom kids. And we live in a different kingdom. We don't 